Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And we are joining you after the final game in the 2022 White Sox season. The Sox lost 10 to 2. Or 10 to 1. 10 to 1. It was a very, very long game that did not need to be played. And the Sox fall to 81 and 81 on the year. A team that had very, very high expectations was defending an American League Central crown, did not do so, and finished at 500 on the year. And they are without a manager, and they are looking into the offseason, possibly losing their franchise uh, leader in Jose Abreu, um, possibly thinking about trading pieces of the core. And that's why we have Robert Murray of Fansided joining us today. He's an MLB insider over at Fansided. He's also one of the hosts of the Baseball Insiders podcast for Fansided. You can follow Robert on Twitter, at by Robert Murray on Twitter. What's up, Robert? How are you? I'm great, man. How are you? Excited. We're excited to talk about this topic with you. Uh, this is what's most important to Sox fans right now is uh, after the news of Tony LaRusso stepping down because of his health, uh, the White Sox fans are wondering who's going to be in his spot um, for the 2023 season. We're excited to get your expertise on there. But before that, your good friend, Mark Carmen, who used to do the Baseball Insiders with you, uh, the Baseball Insiders show with you, uh, gave us a little dirt on you. And uh, let's just play the clip, clip because I think uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go on the record right now. If Juan Soto is traded before the trade deadline, yeah, I will eat a shoe on this podcast. You'll eat a shoe? I will eat a shoe. I will probably have to deep fry it, so can be like somewhat doable but like i will eat a shoe okay <laughs> i love carm's response of okay so robert uh juan soto was traded i know you know this because you're an mlb insider but uh juan soto was traded to herb's team uh the san diego padres and i'm wondering what's the shoe size uh color is it a dress shoe a gym shoe what's going on here yeah you know what i i Boy, Carm, he's got all the receipts on me. That's, uh, he said he, that he's got dirt on me, and that did not disappoint. But um, I have not eaten the shoe yet, I can report. Uh, if it is, or if I do end up eating the shoe, um, I would say it's probably a gym shoe because I feel like a dress shoe probably wouldn't be that edible. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't think any shoe is edible, to be fair. Yeah, it it seems like just a lot of a lot of you know uh, material you're going to be trying to swallow there. But I would have told you before the White Sox hired Tony Larusa that I would have eaten a shoe uh, if they hired Tony Larusa. Um, let's just take you all the way back to 2020. How shocked were you when the White Sox made that decision to bring Tony Larusa out of retirement after he hadn't been in a managerial position for over 10 years, um, and his last time in in that spot was winning a World Series with the 2011 Cardinals? Um, how shocking of that uh, of a move was that to you? I was absolutely floored. I remember like even before that decision was made that they were going to hire him, that Bob Nightingale of USA Today wrote that LaRusso was a candidate for the White Sox job. And like, I'm not going to doubt, um, I'm not going to doubt Bob because he's very connected with the White Sox, but it just was like, this, this can't be real. And all of a sudden they actually hired him. And my initial thought was, this is going to be a complete and utter disaster. And two years later, exactly what happened and LaRusso's out like he didn't get fired it was because of health reasons but 
Um, I don't, I couldn't see a scenario or I couldn't see a scenario in which he was back for next year. Um, and I mean, it was just, it was predictable. The writing was on the wall for this to happen. Jerry Reinsdorf got his guy, it failed. And now they have to replace Larusa. And this is a crucial, crucial hire. And Robert, we as White Sox fans know how we feel about this organization. Most of us, for the most part, don't feel great about it and know that, you know, there's problems within the organization. Just want to know about an outsider's view of the White Sox before that hiring of Tony LaRussa and then currently going into the 2023 offseason. Yeah, I, I remember when before they hired LaRussa, I thought that was the most attractive job on the market because Rick Hahn is a very good GM. It's a very talented roster, a lot of young pieces, um, and I still feel that way now. I think it's an extremely attractive job, and even over the Angels, who are, are actually going with Phil Nevin for their manager next year. Um, the Phillies are a pretty attractive one, to be fair, but I still would take um, the White Sox over that. And you mentioned before that they're going to have to make some difficult decisions with some of their core players, or even Jose Abreu. Um, but that being said, I still think that's a very attractive job. Um, and they should be able to attract some of the top candidates throughout the league for this position. And if Rick Khan is able to do what he does um, in this in making this hire, um, then I think they're going to be able to land one of them. Yeah, looking at the landscape here, you mentioned the Angels signing Phil Nevin to a one-year deal. Um, is there any other jobs that you think might end up opening here that the White Sox might be competing with? Um, because them being the most attractive MLB job um, is definitely noteworthy in 2023 with the names that might be out there. Um, so like the Royals, um, maybe uh, I think we've discussed the, 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 the Rangers obviously made a move as well uh, earlier this year. The Nationals with Davey Martinez. Are there any other managers that might be on their way out that you think uh, we, we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, I think those are going to end up being the ones that we're going to end up watching for the most. Um, the Royals, I mean, they got some young pieces there with Bobby Witt Jr. especially, but to me, that's not that's not a very desirable job just because I think they're a decent ways away from contending. Um, the Rangers, I've heard some names there. Um, I don't know. They're not the ones that I've been thinking, or at least one of them that I know with the Rangers is not one that I don't that'll be on the White Sox list. At least I think so. So um, I guess for the White Sox, for me, it's they're basically by far and away the top job available. Um, and they're going to interview their in-house option, obviously, with Miguel Cairo. Um, but to me, it's just that's going to be the job that all these candidates are going to want. Um, so I think whoever they want is who they're going to end up getting is, is what I'm thinking here. And in your answer to me, you said that you think Rick Hahn's one of the best GMs or a good GM. We as White Sox fans kindly disagree with that. Just want to know your opinion of, I mean, you're a person that is from the outside. We understand that Rick is very smart and he put together this roster. What makes you think that Rick will get the job done this offseason if he is allowed to do his job? Yeah, and I mean, I I think the criticism is fair, especially with how how much money he put into the bullpen. Uh, The Joe Kelly signing, for the most part, I mean, looked like it was not going to go well. Um, I mean, the jury's still out since, I mean, he's signed to a multi-year contract. But um, there's, I mean, obviously people believe he could have invested his resources differently. But if you look at the young talent that he put throughout that entire roster, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, um, Mancato that he ended up getting in the trade for Chris Sale. I mean, there's a lot of these young guys who, I mean, if they can stay healthy, that's the big question with all these guys, especially Eloy Jimenez, because um, he's been hurt for the last couple of years for the majority of that time. Um, if they can stay healthy, this is going to end up being a very good team. 
Um, and I know from talking to rival executives, yeah, they have that same criticism of, of how he's implemented or how he's spread that money throughout the roster. But for the most part, they view him as a very good GM um, and as somebody who can end up doing um, a fine job once he gets his guy at the managerial position. We wonder, too, uh, what Hans kind of bolder moves look to the national audience. Um, talking about Robert, uh, Luis Robert's contract extension, signing him before he played a major league game, signing uh, Aloy Jimenez to a contract extension before he played a game. We see the Braves kind of taking, you know, similar routes, signing Austin Riley very early to a contract extension, Michael Harris early to a contract extension. But do you think Rick Hahn has done anything at least um, – GMs might be looking to find an edge with like is there anything that he does unique and those signings of Robert and Aloy um how, how are those viewed by the the outsiders of, of this White Sox franchise yeah I think those moves like obviously as I mentioned before those players have been hurt quite a bit but those have been viewed as very smart moves because obviously signing players to that kind of money is I mean it's a risk because I mean with Robert he hadn't played a major league game uh, with Jimenez, he had very little major league service time when he signed that deal. So they were still relative unknowns. But let's say those players had have stayed healthy or had stayed healthy until this point and reached their full potential. We're looking at at least over $100 million more than what they would have gotten. So like obviously, it was a risk in signing those kind of contracts um, or signing those players with those kind of contracts. But um, in the long haul, it may have saved them a whole lot of money. And it puts them in a position to sign some of their other players long-term. I mean, players who are even in a similar position to them, go out and sign a big free agent. Um, Cause obviously they've done that with Liam Hendricks. Um, they ended up getting Craig Kimbrell at the deadline a couple of years ago. Um, so, I mean, it, it puts them in a position to be flexible, but I think people view that as a smart move and a progressive move more than anything. And before we get to the actual manager and the candidates, I wanted to know, as from a national perspective, what is Jose Abreu's market looking like as a free agent now? This is his last game as a White Sox, you know, if they don't resign him because he's now uh, free to go wherever he wants to. Does he have a actual market out there with a down offensive year as far as power? I do think he'll end up having a market. And I think it could end up being kind of similar to the one that Nelson Cruz had last year, um, just because I think they're kind of like similar players at this stage of their careers. Um, but it's going to be really interesting with what the White Sox do here. Cause you've heard players with them speak out recently that they want Jose Abreu back, but that decision is really complicated because as you said, he's got a down or he had a down year this year. He's in his mid to late thirties. Um, and they also have Andrew Vaughn and Gavin sheets at first base. Um, and they've been playing them out of position in the outfield. And do you go with those young guys now, or do you resign? Um, Jose Abreu put him at first base and continue playing those young guys out of position. That's a really tough move um, because if you don't re-sign a guy like Jose Abreu, that could send a wrong message to the clubhouse. That's one I'm very glad I'm not Rick Hahn because uh, that would be a decision that would eat me up. Um, but I think that's going to end up being, besides hiring LaRusso's replacement, their most important decision of the offseason. Yeah, we think it's probably going to be the first move before they even think about trading Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets. It's, you know, is Jose Abreu on the team or not? And then we'll, we'll figure out all the decisions after that. Um, you know, Rick Hahn said it seemed like he was willing to trade Andrew Vaughn. Um, 
We were kind of disappointed at the trade deadline, and so was he, at what the White Sox weren't able to do. Um, were you surprised at their lack of inactivity, and do you have any sense of what that lack of inactivity might be tied to? Was it just overvaluing their players? Were players just too expensive for them to afford? Was there any murmurs around the deadline about what the Sox did or didn't do? Yeah, so with Andrew Vaughn, I'm pretty confident that they could have gotten a guy like Frankie Montas had they been willing to include him. But I just don't think that was something they were in a position that they wanted to do. And sometimes the best moves are the ones that you don't make. And in that case, it looks like not making that move was a good move just because Frankie Montas, ever since he's gone to the Yankees, has struggled and gotten hurt. Um, but if from talking to all these teams at the deadline, the constant theme was that these asking prices for players were really freaking high. Um, and a lot of these deals that you saw made that the prices were pretty astronomical. Like it was the, the deadline was really quiet until about 24 to 36 hours beforehand. And then it was just a frenzy of moves. Um, and I, I was surprised in the end that the White Sox didn't make more moves just because obviously they had a disappointing start to their season. Look like a team that could definitely use upgrades at certain positions. They didn't do it. They held firm. And Rick Hahn even said he was surprised. And you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty surprised too, just because they just seemed like a team that needed to make a move. Right. Robert, I wanted to ask you before we get actual candidates that Rick Hahn might be looking for yourself, yeah. who would you send an invitation for an interview if you were the White Sox general manager to be the bench boss for 2023? You know, my first call would be to Carlos Beltran. Mm. I think that would be somebody who would do a very good job um, and relate to the players a whole lot better than Tony La Russa did. I think that would be a home run move. It would come with some backlash just considering his, the cheating allegations and everything, but, um, or the science dealing stuff. But I would, I would do that in a heartbeat if I was a White Sox. How possible do you think that is though? Cause I mean, he was hired to be the Mets manager and that backlash, you know, ended up, turning into him not getting that job. Um, do you think if they announced Carlos Beltran as their manager that there wouldn't be a similar backlash or the the kind of heats come off Beltran a bit? Yeah, so the one thing I learned with the Tony La Russa hire is that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't care what people say. Um, so I don't think they have any issue hiring a guy like Carlos Beltran. All right, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, some of the, the other names, I think the ones that most interest Sox fans right now is Joe Espada, the bench coach uh, of Houston. Um, not only like what is his standing in the major league world, but also is it dependent on if he goes out into the managerial search on if the Astros win or not? Like if, if the Astros win in 2022, Dusty gets his ring. Is it a clear sign that Joe Espada will just step in for Dusty Baker as the manager if he retires? And if Dusty doesn't retire, does that mean Espada is a free agent? How do you view the uh, situation in Houston? Yeah, I so I mean, I I have not heard anything about Dusty Baker potentially retiring after the 2022 season. But like that being said, um, I mean, he certainly could be considering that, but I just haven't heard anything. But let's say they do win the World Series and Dusty Baker does return. Um, I think that puts Joe Espada in a prime position to leave for another managerial spot. And he has been somebody who has drawn a lot of interest in the past. Like he's been the runner up uh, for different positions. I think he was a runner up in San Francisco um, before they hired Gabe Kapler. And I've talked to people who are very close with Joe Espada and they all absolutely rave about him and think he would be a, a rock star managerial candidate. Um, so I've, 
if the White Sox don't go with Beltron and they hire Joe Espada, you would not be hearing any complaints from me because I think that'd be a really good move because um, baseball people love him. And anybody who's been around him would has said the same thing too. One sneaky move that I think would work out for the White Sox is going kind of like what the San Diego Padres did with Bob Melvin, stealing him from Oakland, getting him down there in San Diego. They're in the playoffs this year. A guy that has won a World Series and has fallen some rough times because the ownership is changing and the team kind of changed with uh, Bryce Harper and all the rest of the players leaving is Davey Martinez. Is there any hope that Davey Martinez is an actual good manager just in a bad situation? And could the White Sox use a guy like Davey Martinez who's Played here for like a year or two, so he doesn't have that much White Sox DNA, but he also has a crown uh, and a ring on his finger. Yeah, I would put that in the more unlikely category just because I don't know if the Nationals and and Mike Rizzo are going to let him leave. Um, But he's certainly a good name. I think people kind of underrate him, especially in Washington, because I've been reading their Twitter mentions for quite a bit, and it's been basically fired Dave Martinez. Um, I think he won a World Series there. He's a very good manager. Players love him, too. Um, I, I think with this hire for the, for the White Sox, obviously I think they need to go younger than La Russa, which is why I'm not thinking that Bruce Bochy is going to end up being a candidate or a strong candidate, I should say. Um, but I, I think they, they just need to hire somebody who's going to relate to that, those players more and be a lot more forward thinking. Um, and Davey Martinez is, is certainly somebody who can end up relating to the players more. I think he'd be an upgrade at manager. Um. I just don't know if the Nationals are going to let him leave. Well, I want to follow up on Bochi. Have you heard anything along the lines of his health and where that may be? Um, it seems like that might be a, a reason why he might be held back from returning to managing um, in 2023, but he's also dipping his toes in the World Baseball Classic. So um, would Bruce Bochi be a name that we should truly consider? I, I think he would end up exploring the right opportunity is how I'd phrase that. Um, I think the White Sox would certainly – pique his interest. This is not like me reporting anything. I want to make that clear. This is just opinion. Um, but the White Sox, they're attractive enough um, from like a competitive standpoint, a roster standpoint, they're willing to spend. Like that's going to, as I said before, that's going to intrigue the top candidates. And Bochi, that'll, I'm sure that'll intrigue him. I just don't know if they go in that direction. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, I could totally be wrong with that, but I would be pretty surprised if Bruce Bochi was manager next year. I want to ask you about one other guy, too, because you cut your teeth up in Milwaukee. Herb talked about stealing Dave Martinez from the Nationals. I'd be fine, fine with uh, stealing Craig Council from the Brewers. I'm not sure if that's even possible. I know the Mets tried to. Um, would the White Sox be that intriguing where they could even uh, swing possibly a big fish like Craig Council at the south side? Okay, I will. I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh-oh. So if, if Craig Council leaves the Brewers for the White Sox, I will actually follow through on eating that chew. Carm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can clip that all you want. Um, but, man, I'll tell you, Craig Council grew up in the Milwaukee area. He was, he's entrenched in that, in that area, and he loves the Brewers. He has the Brewers flowing through his veins. I can't see any scenario in which he leaves. I would, I would be flat-out stunned. That being said... His right-hand man, Pat Murphy, um, he was a he interviewed with the Mets three times a couple of years ago. Didn't get the job, but he's looking to become a manager again. And if you want to have a glimpse of Craig Council, that's Pat Murphy because um, Murphy mentored Council. 
Um, he is, he, yeah, Pat Murphy's, he's a, he's a good dude. I think he would be a fine manager. Um, he's just on the older side. So I don't know if that's the direction they go in, but if you want to create console, um, a pretty good consolation prize would be Pat Murphy. He's the, good, the, he's the former uh, manager at Arizona state, right? Yep. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. And the last thing I got for you, any surprise names, names that off the radar, do you think the White Sox would be foolish not to at least just interview this guy to uh, see exactly what he has, just at very least to get some data mining going on from this person? I'll give you two names. Um, the first one is not off the radar by any means. Matt Quattraro with mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Rays, their bench coach. Um, he is somebody who is interviewed for other jobs. Anybody coming from the Rays, uh, you can be pretty assured that he's going to end up being forward thinking. Um, so I think he is certainly somebody to, to watch as a, a name that they interview. Here's the one that I think um, is it, it could be out there is Stephen Vogt. Um, oh. He's retiring with yeah. the A's today. He actually just hit a home run in his last major league at bat. Wow. That guy, if he wants to be, he will be a manager. Um, I can tell you that 100% definitively. Um, I have talked to people who have been around him like the last five years and they absolutely love Stephen Vogt. Um, and it could be the Rangers. It could be, I mean, there's a lot of different teams that I'm sure are going to have interest in Stephen Vogt. Um, yeah, I'll tell you the White Sox, they should interview him because I think they'd be blown away. Yeah, that's an interesting name. And I know you probably covered him uh, when he was in Milwaukee a bit. So you got to learn him. Um, I mean, we know that catchers, it's pretty easy of a transition to go from manager to catcher uh, or uh, from catcher to manager. Uh, but Rick Hahn did mention that he wanted experience. Do you think that might rule out vote a, a little bit there just because he is going from hitting a homer going into the dugout spot there? Yeah, that may make him a little bit unlikely. Um, but I mean, a conversation never hurts just to get information. But yeah, I think that would end up being a case where he's on the unlikely side. But I mean, stranger things have happened. Some teams have hired Tony LaRusa to be their manager. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to bring up an 4 too. Uh, the whole thing was, uh, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf just wanted uh, Ozzie Guillen to get an interview with Kenny Williams, and he ended up being the manager. So, uh, all it takes, like you said, is an interview and to impress some uh, and suppress some, uh, you know, knock some socks off and uh, get in the door. So, uh, vote was an interesting name and a lot of interesting names that you brought up, uh, Robert. We really appreciate your time. Make sure you follow Robert on Twitter at by by Robert Murray on Twitter and make sure you listen to the baseball insiders podcast with Robert Murray and Adam Weinrib um, on the, uh, the fan side of network. We really appreciate your time, Robert. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me and, and give Carmen a huge hug for me too, please. Gotcha. And Hey, if Craig council gets home by the white Sox to be the manager, I'll be sending a nice pair of shoes to you. Honestly, do it. Send me a link invite to join the show and I'll leave it live on your show. Oh, uh, let's go. Let's do it. Uh, Robert I, Murray from fan side. Uh, you're the best brother. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm already terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made the bet so i think you get your confident for some reason um yeah, but hey it, it, it gets me at times and this is one of those moments so. i won't i won't lose anything i didn't bet anything you just you just offered to eat a shoe yeah. so i mean i got i gotta dye my hair blind robert blonde robert so yeah that's what i do that's as far as i go eating uh, shoes is a little rough for me See, you know what? You're a smarter man than me. I'll, you know what? Can I take it back and like dye my hair blonde instead? Yeah, uh, definitely do it. Yeah, I mean, all right. If Craig Council gets signed by the manager and you want to live dye your hair on our podcast, more than more, you're more than welcome to Robert. Done. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Make sure you follow uh, Robert on Twitter at by Robert Murray. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Again, uh, does great work over at Fansider. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys.
Appreciate it. And let's go out to our own beat writer, Vinny Dubers, out at Guaranteed Ray Field. We do want to let you know that this football season, points bets bring you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad's over, you can place a live same-game parlay bet. You can bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and you could cash out your live second-half over bet with points bets. Uh, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. And you can build the live perfect same-game same parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. You can choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet's lightning bet. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBA for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner, they are... We're started off as our partners over in uh, DNVR of Big Drive Energy, but Pins and Aces has now come over and is now the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear. Our guy Steven gets tons of compliments on and off the course when he's wearing his Pins and Aces gear because they're a family-owned golf apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite product, the beer sleeve. Um, and hey, if Robert Murray's looking for maybe a polo to eat, a hat to eat, um, they're family made here. Uh, you'd be eating quality products. And uh, what is a quality product is the beer sleeve. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bags. And it keeps drinks cold the entire round. So check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. You're close enough to the holiday seasons. If you're looking for you know, a gift for dad, uh, jump on pinsandaces.com, get him that beer sleeve and help them uh, store seven beers this upcoming golf season in 2023 because, you know, those psychos are probably going to be out there in March, you know? Once once that those golf courses open, they're out there. As long as the uh, there's some uh, not snow on the ground, people are out there golfing. And drinking beer. degrees plus, I'll consider it. That's there, how I work. There you go. And you'll be drinking a, a nice cold one with your beer sleeve. So use code CHGO at pinsandaces.com to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, pinsandaces.com, P-I-N-S-A-N-D, A-C-E-S dot com and use code CHGO to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Let's add out to Guaranteed Rate Fields to talk to Vinny Duber for the last time of the season in 2022. You can follow Vinny on uh, Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Vinny, how did Game 162 treat you today? Treated me just fine. Uh, you know, I, I was just fine. I got my writing done during the game. It was no, you know, no, no problem at all. A good day here on the South side for yours truly. Uh, but I was not wearing a White Sox uniform, so I can't imagine it was a very good day for anybody who was what with a 10, one final to wrap up a 500 season, uh, you know, uh, it's over. I guess that's what you can say, but uh, we're going to be dissecting this thing for a while to come. We're going to be talking about what they do from here for a while to come. Uh, this is just the very beginning uh, of the next phase of what was a horribly disappointing 2022 for the White Sox. And those poor Cubs guys, they're, they're still watching the game, and I think they started exactly at the same time as us, so we had it easy today. It was under three hours, which we're all happy about. Uh, let's real quick go to a super chat that we got during the uh, Robert Murray interview uh, from Kevin Bryant. Thank you guys for a great season. Have a beer on me. Uh, everyone in the chat, let's send them uh, some love, which we appreciate. And thank you to Kevin for your support. Uh, also, would Steve Stone ever have any interest in joining our front office or pitching staff as a coach uh, on any level? Um, Steve Stone was just announced as a Ford C. Frick uh, a recipient or a, a candidate. Um, yeah. He's one of 10. Um, I think Stoney's going to be staying in the broadcast booth. And even that, I think, is kind of in question because you see Gordon a lot this year. Yeah, so uh, his contract's up. So he wants to come back. It's one matters to the White Sox. Want him back in front office and doing things in the general manager's office. Those, that's actual work. Steve's good on that. Everybody's good on that. If you've got a, a broadcasting job, if you've ever been a coach or something like that, and you get a broadcast job, it's like, whoa, this is much easier. I can stay, make the same money? Cool. 
Yeah, they'll be foolish. He's in his late seventies. He's chilling. Well, and Steve too has mentioned on on the score like the things that he would do in, in a front office and as a coach. But yeah, I think like you said, it's just too much for a, a person uh, at that stage in life. I mean, Steve's made enough money. I don't think he's looking for for jobs. Just retire, Steve, at that point. Uh, but uh, Vinny, I want to go to you. Uh, we talked about the managers with Robert Murray, but pregame, it seemed like someone was trying to throw their name in the hat, even though he also wants to play next year. Um, Jose Abreu was buddying up next to uh, Miguel Cairo today on the bench, huh? Uh, I guess. We looked down there a bunch. Didn't really see too much times where he was sitting right next to Miguel. It seemed to be sitting down uh, at the end of the bench, kind of soaking things in. Uh, no, he was not throwing his name in the hat to be the player <laughs> manager. That is very silly Darn. and ridiculous. But uh, uh no, I mean, I saw everybody's uh, comments on Twitter suggesting that, but, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep, keep dreaming. Uh, that, that's, not, that's not happening. But uh, listen, Jose Abreu, um, he told us yesterday he doesn't like goodbyes, and uh, I think maybe today might have been uh, evidence of that. You know, a guy who requested to be out of the lineup today, which is literally the opposite of everything Jose Abreu has ever done for his entire career, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and kind of refusing a goodbye moment with the fan base here, which apparently, according to Miguel Cairo, they, they tried to, uh, to, to get ha- happening at some point during the game, and, and Jose said no. So, um, listen, it, it might not be goodbye. He might be back in a White Sox uniform next year, and this could all have been, uh, you know, false alarm, if you will. But uh, if this was the end of the Jose Abreu era, uh, he went out uh, as a spectator today uh, and not uh, what he has been for the last nine years, which is a uh, incredibly uh, consistent and incredibly, uh, to his teammates, inspiring uh, player over there at first base. One thing I took away from today's game is I feel really sorry for Davis Martin. Came in the game with a 365 ERA. He leaves with a 483. So people are going to look at that in history and say, oh, that guy sucked his rookie year. That can be further farther from the truth right there as he did leave with an injury. How did Davis Martin take this uh, last outing and how is he feeling in the clubhouse? Uh, he seemed to be feeling fine. I mean, obviously, this is not the kind of thing you want to have happen, but happens to every pitcher every year at some point, and uh, it just had to happen to him today uh, to, uh, like you said, put a an ugly final number up there uh, uh, on his stat line. But uh, Davis Martin gets it. And uh, I think he was very pleased with the way that his season went. Um, I think the White Sox should be and probably are very pleased with the way that his season went. Uh, There was never really a question all year long who was going to be the starting depth. I I mean, seriously, think about it. I mean, Davis Martin is a name probably none of us were talking about in spring training. Um, And we were like, okay, Johnny Cueto is going to be that guy who would be the quote-unquote sixth starter, maybe Vince Velazquez. Then Dallas Keuchel gets DFA'd pretty early in the year, and it's like, all right, that is some thin ice that this starting rotation is uh, skating on. And the starting rotation stayed, with the exception of Lance Lynn missing the first two months, obviously, exceptionally healthy. Michael Kopech, obviously, with a couple of injured list stints, including one to end the season here. But – there was never that panic mode of how are they going to find somebody to start the game in, in X number of days. Davis Martin was the perfect spot starter for this team this year, and he did a really good job of it. And uh, he probably – it would be hard to assume that they would go, all right, he's the fifth starter for next year. I don't think that that's likely to happen. Mm-hmm. But that being said, to uh, consider him a guy who would be the leader of – 
the depth group uh, in that starting rotation, I think everybody would be really happy with that. We'll see if that ends up with him being a triple-A starter or a guy who's the inning eater job in the bullpen like Vince Velasquez was this year. Um, we don't know how that's going to play out, and maybe, who knows, maybe they decide to focus all their attention elsewhere, and, and he does uh, get a shot at being that fifth starter. We don't know how it's going to play out, but I think everybody can say that they're confident in having him be a piece of that puzzle moving forward for 2023. Jimmy Lambert's been a career starter up until this year, pretty much. Are there any thing, inklings of, hey, you know, he got so much good work in the bullpen and he was lights out for the most part when he was out there, but we would rather him be stretched out as a more of a starter? Or do they think that this might be his role moving forward in the major leagues? We haven't heard really from the White Sox what they think about that. I talked to Jimmy last week in Minnesota, and, and he wants to be a starter one day, uh, you know, whether that means immediately next year or whether it just means someday down the road. Uh, you know, I think he was pretty open to doing whatever gets him a spot on the roster still at this point in his career. But um, – I th- again, I think it dep- depends on how the offseason plays out. If they if they go, all right, well, we want to, you know, really work on this position player group, and they think that the four starting pitchers that they have coming back give them enough oomph in that area that they don't need to necessarily go um, plug that hole with somebody who's going to jump to the top of the depth chart, if that makes any sense. I, that was a tough explanation there. But, uh, you know, if they're, if they're just looking to kind of round out the rotation with a fifth starter, maybe Jimmy is in that mix. Um, certainly they have confidence in him. Uh, he was very, very good as a reliever this year. But there's always that if it ain't broke approach, right? And I think that's kind of what that's kind of the feeling that I get from the White Sox when it comes to Garrett Crochet, right? A guy who they drafted with the idea that he would be a very good starting pitcher one day. The way it played out, he became a very valuable member of that bullpen. And I think maybe moving forward, coming off of Tommy John. I still think that they think he should be a, a, a reliever because it's a he's good at it. He's Bye, Vinny. Vinny dipped. Vinny was giving a good answer, too. Vinny was giving a great answer, um, and I feel bad that Vinny dipped. I think it's mainly Stupid Donkey's fault because he sent in a super chat um, saying, who gets the money from these tips anyways? I put them in my pocket, Super Donkey. It's all virtual, and it somehow ends up in Herb's pocket, which I haven't been able to figure oh, out. Oh, sorry. I'm supposed to share it? Well, no. I mean, it'd be nice. I'm, it, I mean, at I'm least the, Steven's putting in some work I'm the here. community leader. I'm, I just... Community is my pockets. There you go. And hey, if you guys need any money, a community leader, Herb Lawrence, has you covered, is what he's saying. We got Vinny Duber back. Sorry about uh, that, Vinny. Vinny, you were giving one hell of an answer, and then it just it dropped out answer. on you. Spam call. Spam call oh, boots you off. Oh. Apparently, when you're on your phone, uh, and, uh, you know, when apparently when you're on your phone and you're doing the uh, the podcast here on your phone and a call comes in, you get yoinked right <laughs> off of your, uh, your, your show. So, uh, yeah, to wrap up that thought, though, We'll see. There's the idea if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe you keep them in the bullpen. And then there's the idea if there is a need in that fifth starter spot and there's a battle for that fifth starter spot come spring, it would be, uh, you know, it would make plenty of sense that he would be a candidate there. I know people are going to look at the bullpen and some of the, you know, blow-ups from Joe Kelly, some of the blow-ups from Kendall Graveman, but I think the pitching staff as a whole did a very good job this year, and I think Jimmy Lambert and Davis Martin fit into that. We've seen the growth of these players once they've been out at the pitch lab in Arizona and have worked on their stuffs, and it seems like, you know, Ethan Katz have been able to get transformations out of Davis Martin, uh, Jimmy Lambert, and even on the uh, higher end, Carlos Rodon and and, uh, Dylan Cease. What is... 
Ethan Katz meant over the past two years? And, and, and do you think it's quantifiable what he's meant to the White Sox? I think it's it probably is in some way quantifiable, right? But I think if you're people like us who have watched this team so very closely, not only the last two years, but before uh, uh, Ethan Katz got here, you can see the difference that he's made. And I mean, I think Carlos Rodon is the perfect example because here's a guy who everybody had all the the uh, belief in his talent, obviously. But I think going into that 2021 season, at least in my opinion, what was there? What was there to tell you that he was going to have a good year, or to, that he was going to have an all-star year, or that he was going to have a year that ranked among some of the best in baseball? Um, and the reason he turned it around was Ethan Katz, Dylan Cease. I talked to him last week in Minnesota. I go, you know, you know, this is the next step. Everybody thought this was going to be somewhere that you would arrive eventually, given the stuff that you had, the talent that you had. You know, what's been the key? The first thing he said was, I got to thank Ethan Katz. I mean, uh, you don't need the quantifiable in terms of the numbers. I'm sure you could go look them up and they would they would show something. Uh, but you can just look at where Dylan Cease was heading into 2021 and where he is now. Where Carlos Rodon was heading into 2021 and where he is now. You talk about some of those other, you know, lower profile guys right now. I think the main guy you got to look to right now is Lucas Giolito. Um, they're going to have an offseason season with him and Ethan Katz working on getting back to uh, uh, to where he was, they have all the tools. They have all the tools at their disposal, and now it's about using them to turn him back into a guy who can rank up there with Cease and Lance Lynn in terms of you know topping this rotation with some of the best pitchers in the American League. Uh, and, and Lucas has been to that point. He very clearly was not there this year and spent the entire year trying to get back there unsuccessfully. Now he's got an offseason, and he's got to come into 2023, a contract year, just like Carlos Rodon had last year, uh, and go ahead and show that he is still capable of being one of those better pitchers in the American League. Was there any talk between either Ethan or Lucas on what they're going to do this offseason? Like, uh, I know Lucas is still kind of dealing with the oblique injury he had earlier in the year. And then when is he going to start throwing again? When is he going to be working with Ethan? I know it's probably not spent down to a science, but I, have, I assume since they had an offseason where they couldn't really talk last year that they're going to get really into it soon as hell. Yeah, I would imagine they would. And, and uh, I, you say you, you don't think it's uh, worked out to the, to the millisecond in terms of an itinerary. I bet it is. It just doesn't mean that it's been shared with us. But knowing Lucas and knowing Ethan, I'm sure that it is uh, – uh, that very specific and that very fine. Um, but it's going to be a process. And obviously these two guys have a great relationship. I think if you're a White Sox fan, the, the silver lining you can take out of Lucas going into this offseason is there is nobody better to work with him in this situation than the guy who is the pitching coach of the Chicago White Sox right now. And if it is possible to turn him around, the guy who's going to do it is that guy. And so that's what I'm. That's why I keep saying the tools are all there, the ingredients are all there to turn this into a very successful offseason for Lucas Giolito. We will see what the results are come spring and, and come the start of next season. Uh, but as of you know, as of right now, you let them go do your, their work and uh, you uh, reserve your judgment until the beginning of next year, which I know is a, a great and very easy thing for White Sox fans to do, reserving judgment and being patient. Well, especially with now a six-month offseason ahead of us and nothing but mm. time to talk and kill. Um, I, I do want to ask you about Jose Abreu. Uh, what if this is the last 
Jose Abreu White Sox game. Uh, what is the greatest memory of Jose Abreu in a White Sox uniform? Uh, is there a certain moment, certain memory, certain season uh, that sticks out uh, above the rest? Well, I think it's difficult to pick out a specific moment because of how many there were, right? I mean, th- this is a guy who didn't get to have the uh, Paul Canerco moment with, you know, in, in the World Series or didn't get to have uh, a even a Frank Thomas moment, you know, with a very obvious Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, I think that you look to 2020 and it was every night. And that's, I think, the thing that stood out to me that year was how many times did I type while I was sitting here at a ball game saying, guess what? Jose Abreu did it again, <laughs> came through in the clutch. Of course, it was Jose Abreu. What a, what a surprise. Um, but I think some of the things that I'm going to remember most are the times where that quiet, professional demeanor uh, was peeled back a little bit. And you got to see a guy who um, – showed you why his teammates feel the way they do about him. Um, you know, I think back in that 2020 season when he started doing the thing with T.A., where after every inning he'd get the ball and he'd run at T.A. and whip the ball at T.A. when he when he was back. Uh, I remember uh, him coming around third base with the mouth wide open and screaming. Uh, earlier this year in Kansas City, we walk into the locker room postgame after a win, and he's just screaming. And, and it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, the middle of an interview with Luis Robert, and he's yelling in the background. These guys had fun with him. I mean, these guys called him, you know, their dad. They called him their, be- you know, their best friend, their brother. Uh, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. And I, I think people, uh, you know, Herb, you put it well yesterday. You said, you know, what we can observe through the TV screen is a guy who always does his job, always shows up. And 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 you're right, right? And I think that's why White Sox fans appreciate him because of the consistency, not just of the results, but of but of the work. Uh, and uh, but but these guys know him on a, on a very personal level. And I think that when people got to see that, when we got to see that, that was important. It, the one moment that really stands out to me um, is uh, opening day 2020. Uh, he, uh, you know, re- you, everyone remembers everything that happened in, in 2020 after the uh, killing of George Floyd. We know what happened uh, on opening day where across the league uh, there were there were ceremonies. People were taking, uh, you know, taking knees. Jose Abreu went up to Tim Anderson in the clubhouse. Tim Anderson was then the only the only black American player on the team. Jose Abreu went up to Tim Anderson and, and asked him, is it OK if I organize the, the Latin players to take a knee along with you for this? Uh, and 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 T.A. obviously said yes. And Jose, uh, as well as as uh, Aloy Jimenez, as well as Luis Robert. Uh, and, and I believe Edwin Encarnacion was on the team that year and participated. That was all organized by Jose Abreu. And uh, that was really something that that jumped out to me of that's what you want out of a clubhouse leader. You want him to not not just say, here's what we're going to do to win. Here's what we're going to do to get hits tonight. You want him to uh, to go over to guys and, and understand who they are and, and understand what they're going might be going through and ask, not say, you know, ask. Is it okay if, if, if we join you in this because we support you kind of thing? Um, certainly they weren't the only ones that were, that were doing that that day. You know, Rick Renneria uh, had his hand on, on, on TA's shoulders too. It was, it was more than just that, that small group of guys. But uh, that, that's the one thing that always stood out to me of the, the number one example of, of, of the kind of person that, that Jose Abreu was in that locker room. And last thing I got for you, Vinny, is uh... – we as fans took this season really hard is, you know, some mental health things like you would think not, but you know, people had troubles 
during this year because of the high expectations. And maybe we take baseball way too serious, and that's another conversation to be had. But how did the team, like the players and the manager, the coaches, how did they, like, I, mean, I know Tony took it really hard, his, you know, pacemaker problems and him having to retire. But how did you think they took it, you know, I would assume much harder than we did? I think it's very different, right? I think um, it's, we didn't set out what we wanted to do and we missed it by a long, long way. I think that's what they're thinking in there. I think they are very disappointed with the outcome. I, I don't think they are disappointed with their effort. And I, I you know, I'm, as, I'm just a guy with an opinion. I don't think they should be. I don't, you know, I, I thought that for the most part, it was good. They've talked a lot about, I, I've written about this today and I will put it, put it up shortly for everybody to take a look at. You know, they've talked about that they had the wrong mindset. They had the wrong approach. They thought they were going to come in and this was going to be easy for them. And, and they were wrong. <laughs> they, they failed big time when, when that was the case. Um, but I don't think you can live your life um, going to your job every day. And if you don't and if you have a tough day at work, you're just miserable all the time. That's that's not a way to do it. And that's not a way to succeed the next day either. Um, and I think that if you put it in that context um, of, hey, this is them going to work every day and them trying to have a good day at work every day, um, then you can maybe start to understand a little bit why they showed up with a smile on their face the next day and why they enjoyed the company of their teammates the next day. I'm sure everybody here has had a, or everybody watching has had a job where uh, they didn't necessarily feel like uh, it was clicking for them or working for them, but it didn't mean that they didn't, uh, you know, take pleasure in being around their coworkers or something like that. So, um, you know, the, the visible, what you see is obviously does not reveal what's going on in, in these guys' heads. They wanted to win. They did not play well enough to win. I don't think they're going to let them, I don't think they're going to let that bury themselves moving forward. And I don't think they did that throughout this season at any point. Um, you know, it's, it's a vastly different approach from the players, from the mindset of, uh, you know, how they react to, to wins and losses and how they move forward from wins and losses than the fans sitting at home. And, and certainly you alluded to that. So, um, yeah, they took it harder than the fans in the sense that they were the ones involved. They were the ones doing this. And so, obviously, when they didn't get done what they wanted to get done, it was very disappointing. You heard Rick Hahn stand up there, uh, you know, the other day and say that this has been the most disappointing year of his career and he feels that Jerry and 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 Kenny feel the exact same way um it might be true for those players too but the whole point of being a baseball player is that you got to show up the next day and try to win again and uh you know I so I, I think if you let it snowball you're dooming yourself for the next number of months and really you might be dooming yourself uh for the next year or two because what what are they going to do they're going to show up in spring training and go oh my god here we go again I got to go through what I just went through last summer all over again that that's not how you are going to be able to to uh to handle things and so um I don't know how well that answered your question her but uh, there is an obvious difference between the way that the people involved are taking this and the way the fans are taking it even if the disappointment levels are if not comparable greater on the side of the people who were involved yeah, I want a uh, final question I got for you then. Um, even though it was a disappointing season, I'd probably ask you what was your favorite moment of the 2020 season. Um, if you don't want to do favorite moment, maybe what was the what's the everlasting moment or, or picture to describe the 2022 White Sox uh, season? What What's the lasting moment uh, for you for this team? That's a good question. Um, I'll, if you want me to boil it down to one moment and a positive one, 
it's uh, it's Tim Anderson in, in New York, right? I think that's really the only quote-unquote moment that the White Sox really delivered this year. They had some walk-off wins and stuff like that, but Tim Anderson uh, effectively throwing Josh Donaldson's uh, you know, words back in his face was yeah. pretty was pretty fantastic. I think. Um, uh, and and don't remember and don't forget to that day, uh, Michael Kopech was throwing a perfect game against the Yankees for a pretty long while as well. Um, but to sum up the season, it's 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 the weirdness of the end of this Tony Larusa era. This whole thing has been bizarre. Coming out of twenty twenty. Um, this was the story of the White Sox rebuild. And whether it was going to work or not, it was going to be that story. Is Rick Hahn's rebuild, where is it going? Is it going to end uh, where they want it to with, with a championship? Are they going to fall short and have to do something different? That's the story we were following. Uh, that story got interrupted. And for two years, this was the story of certainly nationally, could Tony La Russa come back and what would Tony La Russa do? And living in it every day, you know, we were still watching the wins and losses of the White Sox. We were still watching uh, what each individual White Sox player was doing. And this is now a chapter of this rebuild. But it it became the Tony La Russa show. Um, and I think most White Sox fans would say for worse. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, there are a lot of people to blame for the way things went this year. He is just one of many things that didn't work uh, in 2022. Um, but to have it come to this end where he is retiring for health reasons after missing the last month of the season after everything went so sideways and now he's gone and now we're doing the manager search again I mean this was just it was a bizarre two years uh there's no doubt about it and I think there were some really great moments last year when they heck won the division for the first time in over a dozen years I mean that that is something that has hardly ever happened with this franchise and so that is a mighty mighty positive thing that they won the division last year but man that was countered with a mighty negative thing this year, a very, very disappointing season, and and it's just over like that. The Tony era is over like that. And so um, it is going to forever be difficult, if not impossible, for White Sox fans to separate these two years from this part of Tony La Russa's career and the the, the, the role that this team played in it. Uh, now the, the Rick Hahn rebuild storyline can start over again, I guess. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's wild that that happened, to be quite honest yeah. with you. No, absolutely. I think you said everything very, very well, um, very well spoken today and uh, well put uh, to wrap up the 2022 season. We will see you tomorrow, um, Vinny Duber, and make sure that you read Vinny Duber's latest piece at allchgo.com. That should be publishing tonight. Um, and, and like you said, uh, the gist is? Just the lessons learned. There's one big lesson okay. that they got to learn, and that's, uh, you know, you, you don't waste this. I think I think Rick Hahn used the word squandered yes, uh, the other day. I think that's that's going to be the uh, the lasting legacy of this team is that uh, here they are rebuilt all the way in the middle of this window and and they 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 blew it they they uh, they took a year and they they did they took it for granted really is what they did if you if you believe what Liam Hendricks says they they took it for granted and uh, that's something you can't do Rick Hahn has vowed that it'll never happen again and uh, the only thing that we can say is we'll see we'll find out yeah, we'll, cr- we'll cross our fingers and hope uh, that's Vinny Duber you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and uh, you'll uh, if you follow him on Twitter you'll know when that uh, post goes live and you'll be able to read his incredible work on allchgo.com uh, he's our chgo White Sox beat writer thank you Vinny again for joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field for the last time in 2022 all right guys we'll see you See ya.
he's probably so excited to never be in that media room ever again. He's probably, I mean, it, it, he'll be back in there, you know, in March, but, uh, you know, it'll, it'll give him a couple, a uh, couple months off where he doesn't have to be with that American flag behind him yeah. in the, in that little econ room. Uh, he gets a break from that. I always talk, think about Hulk Hogan when he's in front of that I flag. I do too. <laughs> when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. I am a real American. Um, all right, let's tell you about points bet. The points bet pick of the week. I can no longer fade the White Sox, so my betting uh, <laughs> bank will probably take a massive hit. This football season, though, points bets bring you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad's over, you could place a live same game parlay bet. You could bet in the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. My pick of the week is under 43.5 for the Colts and Broncos. Broncos game. Thank you very much. Uh, on Thursday, I believe the under is 9-3 and three in primetime games. I think that under has also dropped down to 42, but I got it at 43.5. And, and I think even though if it's at 42, um, I would still take that number as well. Matt Ryan and the Colts have been struggling. No Jonathan Taylor. Russell Wilson and the Broncos have been struggling. Um, I think 42 is a lot to ask these two offenses to put up. So that's my points bet pick of the week. Whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live, bet live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up the code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner, I love them. They make fantastic quality products that you should buy. But I do have real beef with Chi-Town Cornhole because their name is Chi-Town Cornhole. Uh, they're the number one cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. And the reason is because of the bags thing? Yeah, it's because it's bags. Uh, their signature bags box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. And their bags boxes boards come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back. And LED lights that light up the hole and exterior handers, handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. Um, it is truly a, it's the best box I've ever seen made, even though they are called Chi-Town Cornhole, and I love the alliteration. I call it bags. I'm very south side. I, I think you should call it bags if you are from Chicago. I don't want to be a stickler over something like that, but I will be. Uh, whatever. Uh, that's my personality. They don't sell if it's Chi-Town bags. Chi-Town bags. It just sounds terrible. It kind of does. It does sound bad when you say Chi-Town bags, but Chi-Town Cornhole, I guess, does sound better. Um, and when you see their ba boxes in in person i mean like truly uh your eyes are drawn to them uh, they got looking at one right here yeah. i mean you can't see it on the youtube or if you're listening on the podcast but we're looking at them beautiful they oh you can go go get it uh they specialize in corporate designs for companies next marketing on social events wedding gifts and gifts for all occasions especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues um we just had a recent tailgate out um on roosevelt michigan for the Bears Texans game had these out and everybody was loving them and you could see on the sides they got the CHGO logo logo in the front uh, they got the CHGO logo they got the the, the can the, the look at this massive thing uh, but look at this thing look at this I mean they got the CHGO around the, the actual hole this lights up you they got the logo up. here on the side they even got the CHGO Not like it's black with the logo I mean like these are very very well made you can't see here but they got the bags with the actual logo on it I mean look at that blue and white as well the scorekeepers are over here and you got the drink holders as well so if you are looking uh, to purchase see, it's lit up. some see boxes my hand? It's lit up. Um, for this fall, maybe if you're going out to uh, football uh, somewhere this fall, no, it's not. Um, you could bring these out 
and uh, they're very, very easy to light up your cornhole. So head over to <laughs> ShyTownCornhole.com. Thank, Thank you, Clark, for that one. Thank you, Steve, for bringing that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, check out Shytown Cornhole. They make the truly um, incredible, incredible uh, work here. You say veteran owned too? Veteran owned. Owned and run? Yep. Veteran owned and operated. They could ship anywhere and you can pick up locally as well. Uh, shout out to Bill um, for the super chat as well. Go Pack Go. I will say that because I'm not a Bears fan. I don't think you would say that. Green Bay does suck, Rusted. Thank you for the super chat. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Thank you, uh, Bears fans, uh, for being on it. And uh, Rusted coming in with the super chat for Green Bay sucks. All right, let's go to our people, uh, the all CHGO people we asked in the Discord. What was your favorite Jose Abreu memory? Uh, Vinny brought up a couple there. Um, what's your favorite Jose Abreu memory? Um, just one. I will have to say the walk-off Grand Slam versus uh, Grant Balfour mm-hmm. in his rookie year. Awesome. That's uh, a, so a Grand Slam or three-run home run? One uh, of the two. Grand Slam. Uh, Jim, Midway Jimbo popped that one in our Discord. Yeah, he, like, I hate Grant Balfour. I think every White Sox fan who remembers 2008 hates Grant Balfour. He's cussing out Odo Cabrera uh, during the playoff game, and then he struck Odo, Odo Cabrera out right after that. And then for Jose to get redemption, what, four years later, even though we wasn't teammates with this guy? was the greatest thing in the world. That was awesome. I love Jose Abreu for that. And then, if, you know, if I'm doing a secondary thing, when it was, I think it was Carlos Rodon, where he caught a ball at first base. He knew Rodon couldn't get over there. And so he gave it his all. And, like, it looked like he oh. almost broke his knee oh, by that. sliding over to first and tagging first before the runner got a – probably Carlos Rodon. It could be Lucas Elia. I forgot which game it was. but it could have been Lance Lynn. I mean, he, he, he gave us all to get that out because he knew how important it was for his pitcher to get a no-hitter. I'm pretty sure it's Carlos Rodon, but that would be my second choice. No, I think it was Rodon. I think you're, you're dead on on that one uh, Kirk M says his favorite memory is when he comes back again I'm um, so shout out to uh to, to Kirk for that one uh yeah I, I think that I'm going to be happy if Jose doesn't come back that I won't have to watch him slide into first base because those are just always ugly but of course he's going to do that because he's extra because he's always doing the most yes. at first base um I think I agree though with Alex Potnos who dropped uh the picture of Pito crying after he won the MVP just seeing this man this baseball lifer give Everything he got to make his dreams come true for not only himself, but his family. He talks about how his mom's always on his ass. Like, Jose Abreu is just a normal person. Jose Abreu is a... I'm, I'm tearing up, man. Uh, this sucks. I hope he doesn't leave. Um, but I also hope they figured it, figure it out in yeah. some way. But, like, the, the emotion that he had in that moment... Just a dream realized. And I wouldn't imagine what a World Series would do for his career and what it would mean to him. Um, but that MVP... Vinny mentioned how electric and automatic he was in 2020. It was such fun watching him and those players in that 2020 season. But you truly saw just kind of a weight lifted off his shoulder when he won that MVP. And you know the story of him traveling from Cuba. Um, That's what I think about. It's, 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 it's a harrowing story. And the fact that he even made it over here in that trip and braved his life to make his baseball dreams come true. And he gets rewarded in 2020 with that. Uh, an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, Alex uh, in the, the comments now calling it powerful, extremely powerful. And, uh, you know, it, it was well worth the three-year, $50 million contract just to have that man cry on a Zoom call. And I'm thinking that moment is not only him winning the MVP, as you alluded to, it's his journey. Like him leaving his family, going across the shores. I think he ate his passport or something like that to get away, to get away from these people and to get to the American shores, the White Sox to sign him. 
and to play well his rookie year, play well subsequently. And then when it all comes together where he said, I'm signing my damn self and he signed himself. And I was like, Hey man, that might've been a mistake by the white Sox. Then he goes out and wins the MVP. And I know it was a shortened season, but as Vinny alluded to while he was with us, there wasn't a second in that season where he wasn't coming up clutch. Ask John Lester, ask Kyle Hendricks, ask Wrigley Field. He almost destroyed that place. They just built it. And Jose Abreu hit the most home runs in Wrigley Field that year (laughs) out of any player. No Cub, Jose Abreu. That man was just out there doing damage that year. And so, yeah, it's a very powerful move for Jose Abreu to cry on his uh, acceptance of his MVP award because I didn't think he was going to get it, and they gave it to him, and I was very surprised. I thought they were going to give it to Jose Ramirez 100% right. because he had uh, some good uh, moments down the stretch. But And they won the division, too. Exactly, and so I thought that, yeah, him crying, a big man like that crying was a lot. It was accomplishment. It was I survived all I've done, and, you know, he deserves everything good in the, in the world because he's done a lot of good in this world and for the White Sox. Well, and that's why it kind of is, it just sucks that he didn't want a goodbye moment because he deserves one. Yeah. Uh, even if it is a goodbye and you're not really sure if it is or isn't a goodbye, I mean, he still deserves that moment. I would clap for Jose Abreu just walking through the grocery store. Um, I, I tip that cap to that man wherever he is. I mean, he's given truly his heart and soul to Chicago, um, and he's been fantastic. And part of the mentioned it, uh, he'll be in the Hall of Fame uh, someday. Can't hold it against him that he couldn't play here until he was 27. Uh, even then, you look at what he did in Cuba, he was one of the best players there. I mean, he is just one of the best baseball players in the past 15 years period, at least one of the best hitters in the past 15 years, period, if you're including the Cuba stats and the Major League stats. And it's really weird. Like, as Dale Shinestown says, he couldn't see his kids for years. I don't have kids, but I could not imagine doing my job in a different country and his kids being somewhere not seeing them from on a day-to-day basis, not even, like, seeing them for years. The kids are just growing up. I saw that video when he, first, when he saw his kid after years. It's like, oh, God, could not imagine. Could not. It would be really hard. Come on. It's not the time. Not the time. <laughs> not the time, the sex bots. Come on, sex bots. Get you don't have anything to add here. You're, you're trying to get in the Jose Abreu conversation. You're not dicks. the best adult dating site, all right? That's Ugh. just lying. You are a scam. God damn. They always get in here when we're trying to talk serious. When we're, when we're getting all horny about Jose Abreu, here comes the sex bots. I'm putting it on screen just for the first time. Yeah. End of the season. Give them the love. There um, you go. Let's real quick go to the other memories that you guys brought up in the Discord. Um, And at least we have one bot to send us off. Uh, Another uh, memory that was brought up in the Discord here. Um, Steven, you could just start flashing them, honestly. Um, We got... yeah, we'll go to this one. Jose Abreu hitting the home run uh, in the corn game. Uh, that was great as well. Uh, Stephen Gottwright chiming in. I love everything about the corn game, and that was cool. Uh, just a great moment there. And, and Vinny kind of talked about it a little bit with, you know, what it meant and what was the lasting moment of the 2022 season, kind of Tony La Russa taking over the show and it just becoming about Tony La Russa. And that game was so simple. That game was very easily the White Sox versus the Yankees. We're going to play a baseball game in Iowa, and here are the guys just going out and playing. And you saw Jose Abreu show up. You saw Tim Anderson show up. You saw Giancarlo Stanton show up. You saw the big guys step up consistently in that moment, and Jose Abreu did so as well. Um, that was a, a very, very fun game to watch, and uh, he, he made you know his mark on it right away, <laughs> hitting mm-hmm. that homer. And there's Rusted with a with thing I just saw Stephen Flash on the screen. Pete O'Round in third and KC yelling so loud that we can hear him in Bridgeport. Wasn't this Cleveland or was it KC? Ah! 
It's just every day with him. I mean, it was, Vinny was saying he's yelling in the clubhouse. <laughs> just giving it like his all. like Casey, that slide at home plate that he just barely. Yeah, and that was like two days after uh, Hunter, what's his name? Not Hunter Renfro. Dozier. Hunter Dozier like headbutted him because he wasn't paying attention while Jose's trying to come down first base to catch the ball that Hunter just hit in the air. Jose leaves that game, then comes back for that Sunday game because Jose's Jose, and steals home to win the game versus Kansas City and walks him off. We were awesome. all wrong. What? Minnesota. Minnesota! He was, he was rounding third. It, well, he, was, he did slide into home. Uh, there was no play at the plate, but uh, yeah, he was screaming around uh, the Minnesota third baseline uh, right there in, in that picture. Uh, we got other ones as well, uh, Steven. I know we ended up bringing up the, the MVP one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, who's your daddy bringing up? Uh, Abreu has wheels, six triples, including uh, the cycle game in 2017. Uh, Jose Abreu, uh, his triples by year, 2014, 2, 2015, 3, 2016, 1, 2017-6, 2018-1, 2019-1, 2020-0, 2021-2, 2020-0. Uh, or 2022-0. So um, just out of he is one of six people to ever hit the cycle in White Sox history. Should we name him? I know Jose Valentin's one. I know Chris Singleton's another one. Jose Abreu, of course, is another one. Um, Melky did it in at the G rate, but I don't think he... I don't think Melky was, did it as a White Sox. Did you say 13? Huh? Did you say 13? Six players. Oh, yeah, six. Six is right. So and you got Abreu, Valentin, and uh, Chris Singleton. Chris Singleton. I know those three, and then... There's another big one. Um... Trying to think of it. Frank never hit one. Uh, neither did him. Uh, Magli Ordonez? Nope. Jersey retired. Uh, Carlton Fisk. Yep, Carlton Fisk, 84 against the Royals. 84. Uh, 84. Um, funny enough, two of the uh, six have come against the uh, the Royals. Carlton Fisk did it in 84 against the Royals, and then Singleton did it in 99. The other two, Jack Brohammer yeah, um, in Seattle in 77, and Ray Schalk in Detroit in oh, 22. Who doesn't remember Ray Schalk's? Uh, or years ago. Awesome times. You, I think wasn't he, wasn't he the catcher in uh, nineteen? Yeah, I think he was. He was one of the not catcher. eight men out. Ray Schalk was on the on the on the uh, level. He was game. he was one of the fifteen safe. Yes, fifteen men safe. Um, I don't think Ray Schalk. Oh yeah, Ray Schalk was a catcher. Yeah. Twenty four years old then that, that, yeah. that day. An eighty nine OPS. This guy sucked. He was a bum. This hey. Is, this is the dead ball era. They didn't start doing the live ball until the next year Speaking to get of, away from the 1919 White Sox era. Speaking of dead, I mean, this guy's dead. <laughs> well, then cross him off. Um, well, here's the thing. I, I, I'll give my morbid thing because it's October. Um, we'll wrap this up. Uh, Ravi Comeup's asking, when's Cubs? Brother, it already started. Come on. Um, g- 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 hop over to the other channel. They're in Studio A. Um, Ray Schalk, I brought this up to the people. He's buried in Evergreen Park. All right, we should be going and visiting the dead baseball players. We should be going to the graveyards and being paying our homage, being paying our, our trips. We got time. Well, season's speak, over. Speaking of, I have been to the Ernie Banks uh, resting place over there on the north side. If you are a uh, red line or brown line, um, Hollywood Cemetery? No, uh, I don't know what it's called, but I don't think it's Hollywood. If you're a red line or brown line and purple line person, once you turn that curb around, uh, was that. Uh, Sheridan and go north to, before you get to Wilson, the cemetery right to your left or to the west right there is the cemetery that Ernie Banks is at. And he's pretty much right there when you're turning around. It's in the back of that cemetery that is on the corner of Irving Park and Clark. 
It's uh, Graceland. Yeah, Graceland. Yeah, not, not Hollywood. Graceland. I walked all. We and Courtney walked all the way around that thing just you know exercise just to see old people. It's a lot of big, huge, grandiose um, statuesque tombs and uh, and. Uh, it's ridiculous. And then we didn't know Ernie Banks was buried there. We went around the back and saw his thing. I was like, man, Mr. Cub right here. It's so great. It's so awesome. And then later on when we were leaving, we saw a coyote. Not Shane Doan, not Jeremy Roenick, <laughs> but an actual coyote. Not that scumbag Rafi Torres. Not Rafi Torres, not Mike Smith. I was like, Courtney, it's fine. He's more scared of us than he is of, of, of the other way around. And she's like, no. I said, if he comes over here, I'll just kick him in the nuts and he'll go away. <laughs> And he didn't come over there. He knew He knew what time it was. Oh, yeah. He knew Herb can throw hands. Coyotes suck. Uh, Alex is speaking the truth here. Pod playing their own fucking stadium. Pod live from Ray Shalk's grave. You won't. We will. I will. I will. I will have a It's a close pod to him. I'm not going out from, that far. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to the Ray Shalk grave. Come on. That, that's easy. That's an easy trip for me. But anyways, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we want to take uh, some time here and thank every single one of you for hanging out with us. Uh, not Ravi. Not Ravi. Uh, not Ravi. Who wants the Cubs? Ravi. Not Ravi and not Shane. No, Shane Newbanks of the Cubs. Uh, he's a, a clear Cubs fan. Likes <laughs> to pop in here whenever we have bad losses and be like, oh, you know, Sox lost. We know Shane. Thank you. Um, you know, Shane and Ravi, they can go hang out in the Cubs spot. Uh, Anthony, uh, Herb's a Bulls fan. I'm not an NBA I'm guy. a Bulls fan because of Io DeSumo and Malcolm Hill. Let's oh, go. Courtney's a big ILL basketball I I. fan, right? Yeah, Courtney was a Bulls fan before I was. I was a Michael Jordan fan. Once he, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen fan. Once he left, I was like, I'm good. I don't need to watch Cornell David ever. Um, and then when they drafted, well, before that, Courtney was watching every goddamn Jim Boylan game, and she made <laughs> me watch that shit. And then after that, I uh, eventually got on the Bulls train because Io DeSumo was there. And then later in the season, they picked up my man Malcolm Hill. Let's go! Bulls are uh, ready for a championship because the line I are. Well, and hey, shout out to Alex Potnos who dropped a super chat uh, right before wrapping up. He said, thanks for a great season. First season of CHGO. You guys came out of the gate crushing. Uh, screw 2020. Looking forward to an awesome 2023, which is why he dropped the 2023 uh, super chat. So thank really you. appreciate that, Alex. And uh, thank you guys. Uh, I know you guys have been very, very sweet in the comments, thanking us and, and you know, you know, appreciating uh, us doing pre and post game shows. Trust me, it's my pleasure. Uh, first off, uh, we'll give the, the the thank yous to Brandon Spano. <laughs> if we oh. weren't here, uh, we wouldn't be here without the people at All City Network and uh, trusting Chicago to do this. Um, they did it in Denver. They did it in Phoenix. And the next big market was Chicago. And hopefully we've lived up uh, to what they were looking to create here in Chicago. It has been nothing but fun. It has been nothing but a blast. And it is truly an honor to sit in this seat and talk White Sox on a day-to-day basis. I'm sad that 162 is over, but as Joey P says, bring on the hot stove news and talking to Robert has me all riled up. Um, So truly thank you to Brandon. Uh, Thank you to Jake as well, who's also owes us an Italian beef sandwich because the White Sox didn't win 20 games uh, under Miguel Cairo. Uh, Shout out to Kevin Kaduk of uh, content creation here at at CHGO. Um, Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the large majority of all these shows um and thank you to all of the producers here at chgo um our guy joey sarah has helped out on a couple of shows i think natalie helped out on a couple of shows as well uh lawrence i think probably helped out clark. On, uh, at some show some point clark our guy our, our uh what's it called uh not pedway not pedway um Segway. Segway. They're Segway guy. Uh, I miss Clark. And this Clark. Clark. Not um, you, Clark, but the other Clark, Clark Lorenzen and Clark Reamer. Yes. Both Clark, you guys. Clark from Chicago and Clark Reamer. Um, I saw Joey P up there with that nice, sweet as a hat. Oh, man. That sweet as oh, White the, Sox hat. The, the foot hat. Uh, the run club hat. Oh, that's so whatever great. Whatever that is. 
Um, That's the old uh, logo. Yeah, the, the angel with the uh, sock with the with the wings on the end of it. Ugh. it's very nice. Um, but uh, chef's kiss. Really appreciate every single one of you for hanging out with us. Uh, mainly, uh, Turd Ferguson, Wonder Platt had some uh, some nice uh, words either as well. Uh, Kevin's inviting us out to LA, so uh, we are really really blessed uh, to have this job and to be doing this for you. And Viva Pinata asked, we'll be doing this, uh, doing off season streams every day. Every we'll day. be here tomorrow. We'll be here on Sunday. Five days a week, and that will not stop. And Sundays are usually going to be pod only, so you won't see our pretty faces. You'll hear our pretty voices eventually. Yeah. So we won't be live on those shows, but we'll be live talking to each other, live to tape, let's say that. I think it should And then we'll send it out to the people. Four out of five shows uh, for a week should be live. Yeah. So like four out of five shows a week should be live. There should be, you know, a pod um, posted on mon- on Mondays into your, your feeds, like Herb's saying. Uh, but other than that, we will be live still. Mostly through the offseason. Yeah, and then he will be in studio. And blank name saying Eli waking up at 2 a.m. to watch Sox games from Israel. <laughs> Him, Juan out there in Spain. In France, just, yeah. And it's just ridiculous that you guys come there. And it's, well, we don't deserve it, but I appreciate you guys doing it anyways. Even Matthew Cortese waking up from in Portland. Portland. Um, and, and calling his 5-0 White Sox uh, no hitters. Ian and Ute in the UK, like they yeah. have a choice to not watch the White Sox. They didn't grow up with this stuff. And <laughs> that's funny, Clark. And they didn't grow up with this stuff, but <laughs> and he's still with us. Come on, Ian. Uh, and we'll be doing no emergency, emergency pods, Alex. We oh. won't be calling them that. Oh yeah, we won't. I mean, it's just pods. I mean, it's just us doing our job. I mean, we'll 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 flash the lights on Twitter and everything. But uh, you know, if if any White Sox news Everyone. happens. Come here. Every we'll, we got you covered. We just run into the studio. Oh God, guys! Oh my God, there's so much news. If going I don't on. talk about, if I don't talk about Bob Melvin becoming the White Sox manager right now, I'm going to explode. This I'm is an kidding. emergency. We'll be seeing Alex Rude where around the way. You know, Alex Rude. Yeah. I mean, we were in a White Sox Illini chat, so I'll be talking to him. We did a great job the one time we had him on. So Melissa's probably, in the uh, house. Melissa Cortez in the house. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Truly, truly. Uh. Thank you. Um. To all of you people for hanging out. You guys are funny. You guys are great. You guys have a lot of humor. And uh, this White Sox season should not have been as bad as it was. And you guys dealt with it uh, with a lot of grace and uh, a lot of of class. You guys led us through this. Like, we hope we did something for you. But you definitely did something for us. It was so great. Um, yeah, if we can find Ray Shaw, Sean's going to find him and see if uh, Tony wants to interview him for this job. Or Tony. uh, If uh, Jerry wants to interview him for the job. Oh, man, yeah. The bones of Ray Schalk will be the next manager. We'll talk to t- Robert Murray next about how Ray Schalk will do it. The he White can, hey, he can deliver, tell you how to hit a, tri- a triple or hit a cycle yeah, hey. like no one else. The first guy to do it. Yeah, exactly. In 19, what, 1922? Man. 22. 100 years ago. Man, it's been, been a minute. That's Herb Lawrence. You can Six. follow him on Twitter. Six in the 100-plus years of a franchise. Hey, Oof. but we have like 22 no-hitters, so man, we do we, something well. Yeah, but say, we chose poorly, friends, but we did choose them. We're stuck here. You're not going to goddamn place. The city looks really nice. The city is very, very pretty. So uh, yes. we'll, we'll enjoy some bad weather. We'll be hunkering down in our homes talking White Sox with you, our friends. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. At Hectorwall23. At Hectorwall23. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Vinny Duber for his excellent, excellent work um, at Guaranteed Radio. 
Great Field, heading out to Target Field, Kauffman Stadium, all the trips that he went on this year and all the fantastic articles that he's posted this year. Make sure you continue to read his work at allchgo.com. Like you said, he'll have an article later tonight for you about what we learned in 2022. Also, shout out to Jared Willis. We didn't give a shout out to Jared Willis yeah. just yet. Um, Jared helped uh, many different times popping in on the podcast to give guest appearance. He wrote many different articles covering the Sox, went out to a lot of Saturday games and covered the Sox for you guys at allchgo. So make sure you're also following Jared Willis on Twitter at jwillis uh, wise instead of eyes. I'm going to say during this offseason, we're going to ask a couple of people from the Sox oh, podcast yeah. and uh, blogosphere to come in and guest host with us. And we might ask some of you guys to come and guest host with us. Hell, it's our podcast. We could do what we want. I mean, we've had a couple of people. Pine Tar Keyboard yeah. was on when I and Sean weren't both here. And we've had Alex Rude in here. You know, if you're good enough. And if we feel like we want you sitting next to us, just uh, tell us, hey, can I be a podcast host? Come on through. If we you, will pay you zero dollars. If you like talking White Sox and feel like you can you can hang with us, uh, hit, hit us up. Uh, yeah, like Herb said, we got time. And we got uh, we got the space. So why not uh, you know spread the love and, and get people involved? Because that's uh, that's what it's all about here at CHGO. Go to Studio B. Yeah. Go to studio A. We're we'll probably at Studio A if we got four people. Oh yeah, we got to go because Vinny will be here. Vinny Vinny's not going anywhere. Well, he is going somewhere. Well, that's true. He's got a, a sick ass honeymoon that he's oh, got to go to. So shout out to Vinny for that one. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, he's got definitely something to look forward to this offseason. But uh, we got you covered on your White Sox news, so stick with us here on CHGO. And also, if you are a Chicago fan, uh, the Bulls season started, the Blackhawks season has started, so there is great coverage. Bears season's underway as well. Um, check out our CHGO Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks shows as well, as those seasons are underway. But thank you very much for joining us this season in 2022. Sorry it was so disappointing, but that was not our fault. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow. That's Herb Lawrence. I'm Sean Anderson. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album, Tusk, on October 11th. It will turn 43. It's a big birthday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.